Hello, everyone. I'm Jerry Savelle. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you watching our broadcast, and I want to say how much we appreciate you responding. Thank you for your letters, your telephone calls, uh, buying our resources. It's such a blessing to be able to come to you each and every week, and we appreciate how that you appreciate the ministry of the Word coming from this television broadcast. Today, we're going to be talking about expecting the goodness of God as never before in your life. God is a good God. Say that with me. Say it this way. My God is a good God. He has been so good to me that it makes me feel like I must be his favorite child. And I hope you feel the same way. God is a good God. In fact, I want to start this today from Psalm 119 and verse 68. It says, thou art good and doest good. The message translation says, you are good and you are the source of good. God is the source of good. Everything good in your life has come from God. Everything bad has come from our adversary, the devil. So don't ever mistake that. Don't ever think that God is the one who's doing bad things in your life. No, God is the good God. And he is the source of good. Everything good comes from Him. Now, I'm going to take you into our service here at Heritage of Faith Christian Center where I was teaching this, and it is a powerful service. So get ready to take notes, watch closely, listen closely, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And then I'll be back in just a little while with some closing remarks. I want us to open our Bibles to the 11th chapter of Mark. And, and I'm laying a foundation here by teaching, first of all, some of the basic principles of the God kind of faith, the life of faith. Mark the 11th chapter, Jesus says in verse 22, have faith in God. Look at your neighbor and tell them, have faith in God. There are other translations that say, have the faith of God. And still another translation says, have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. So apparently it is possible for you and me to have the God kind of faith. Now, one of the basic principles of operating in the God kind of faith is this. You're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you hear. And you're not moved by what you feel. That is faith 101. It's as basic as you can get. First time I heard Kenneth Copeland say that back in 1969, I'm not moved. Now, I didn't realize at the time he was quoting Smith Wigglesworth because I think Smith Wigglesworth was probably one of the first who made that statement. And Brother Copeland said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear and I'm not moved by what I feel. I thought, boy, I am. Because at that time I was. Whatever I heard moved me. Whatever I saw moved me. Whatever, however I felt moved me. But I didn't know any better. I hadn't been taught the word yet. But when he said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear and I'm not moved by what I feel. And then he added this, I'm only moved by what I believe, and I believe the Word of God. 
And I, I, I wrote down in my notes, I'm going to get to that place in my life where I'm not moved by what I see, I'm not moved by what I hear, and I'm not moved by what I feel. I will only be moved what I believe, and I'll believe the Word of God. So that's elementary. That's, that's, that's as basic as the life of faith gets. Now, Jesus teaches that to be moved by your five physical senses is the same thing as actually being faithless. Go to John chapter 20 with me. John chapter 20. And you remember the story when Jesus was raised from the dead. He appeared to some of the disciples and uh, they went and told one of the other disciples. And he said, Thomas, he said, I will not believe unless I see, unless I feel. Look at John chapter 20 and verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see, remember what he says here, except I shall see in the hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. So what is he saying? If I can't see it, I won't believe it. So what is his faithless life built on? Seeing something, feeling something, hearing something. And he said, if I, can't, if I can't perceive it with my five physical senses, then I will not believe. Now, there are a lot of Christians like that today. If they can't see it, if they can't hear it, if they can't feel it, then they choose not to believe. But Jesus said to him, notice this, verse 22. He saith to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust into my side and be not faithless, but believing. So once again, Jesus teaches that if you have to see it first, hear it or feel it before you believe, then he considers you to be faithless. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. I'm, I'm talking to you about basic principles of the God kind of faith. Now, another translation, well, let me, let me go on with this. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. The Amplified says not by appearance, not by appearance, the way things appear. See, if you look at how things appear right now, it'd be hard for you to believe that the goodness of the Lord is on its way. Unprecedented goodness. Goodness like we've never experienced before. If you base everything on what you're seeing and hearing right now, then it's going to be hard for you to accept this. You, you won't believe it. Why? Because you're basing 
what you believe on what you can see and what you've heard. That's contrary to the life of faith. Amen? Folks, I'm not making this up. It's here right in the Bible. This is where I've lived for 52 years now. Amen. Now, notice once again, we walk by faith and not by sight or not by appearance. Appearance means the outward or visible aspect of a thing or the visible and outward aspect of an event. If you look at all the events that are taking place right now, not only in our nation, but all over the world, and that's final authority in your life, because that's what they say, then you will not be able to believe, you will not choose to believe that on God's agenda in the days ahead is an outpouring of unprecedented goodness. But I choose to believe it. I receive it. And I'm going to have it. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, me too. Praise God. Now, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Once again, I'm laying a foundation. I don't want to assume anything because you know there's a lot of people that haven't heard the basics yet. We, we assume a lot of times they have, but there's new people coming in all the time and they haven't heard the basics of the life of faith. So look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. And here's where the prophet Samuel is going to Jesse's house, not to plant us another Jesse. And, <laughs> and he, his assignment is to anoint the next king of Israel. And so he asked Samuel to bring in all of his boys. And so Samuel brought all the boys in except David. Now, why didn't he bring David? He was one of his sons because he assumed it couldn't possibly be David. He's just a shepherd's boy. Amen, a shepherd boy. So he didn't even bother bringing him before Samuel. So Samuel went down the line, and I'm paraphrasing this. He went down the line and looked at all these boys and decided there, there's not, the, the, the next king is not one of these guys. And he says, do you have any other sons? And he says, I have one more. But he's just a ruddy youth. He's out there with the sheep. In other words, it couldn't be him. But Samuel instructed him, bring him to me. And when he brought him to him, it says in verse 7, Behold, the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance. In other words, don't be moved by what you see. Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him for the Lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh on the heart. So notice this basic elementary principle 
of operating in the God kind of faith. You don't move on appearances. You don't allow the appearance of something to be final authority. Amen. You have to look through the eye of faith. The eye of faith. Brother Copeland tells the story and I heard him tell this back there in 1969. He tells the story that he was preaching over at Grace Temple, Harold Nichols, and uh, in those early days. And he was doing several nights of meetings. John and Kelly were real young. John being just a, just a really young boy. And uh, John said, uh, Daddy, after listening to you, isn't it wonderful we have three eyes? Brother Copeland thought for a moment and said, where do you get that? He said, these two and the eye of faith. <laughs> now that came out of a child. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you waiting on? <laughs> Isn't it good we have three eyes, these two and the eye of faith? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Looking through the eye of faith. Amen. And so notice here, Samuel was not to be governed by the outward appearance. Right. Once again, that is a basic principle of the life of faith. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Now, how can you see something that's not seen? through that third eye, the eye of faith. Amen. Why? Because the things which are seen are temporal. I was reading that one day, Brother Copeland and I, when I was uh, working with him and he began having me teach the morning services in his meetings and we were in Birmingham, Alabama and he was teaching that morning and then I was, uh, I'm sorry, he was teaching that evening and the next morning I was to do the morning service. And I'm, I'm reading the word in my room before going out in that service, and I'm reading this verse, 2 Corinthians 4.18. Things which are seen are temporal. Things which are seen are temporal. And I'm meditating on that. Temporal, temporal, temporary, temporary, not permanent, not permanent. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say this, subject to change. Oh, I come undone. I got over that meeting and I started preaching on things which are seen are subject to change. And brother Copeland jumped up and said, boy, why didn't you tell me this a long time ago? I said, I just heard it. <laughs> things which are seen are subject to change. Oh, I can't tell you how many victories I've won off of that one revelation. Things which are seen are subject to change. Hallelujah. If you can see it, if you can hear it, if you can feel it, if you can perceive it with your five physical senses, it is subject to change. Jesus proved this in his earthly ministry. 
Blindness was subject to change. Leprosy was subject to change. Mountains are subject to change. That's the way he lived. These are the basic principles of the life of faith. Can you say amen? amen. Don't base your belief on what you can see. In other words, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. There's a lot of things going on in the spirit realm right now we can't see. This room is full of angels. How many of you have seen them lately? I've been preaching at times and people afterwards would say, I saw your angel tonight. He's big. I said, thank God he is. <laughs> Remember, we were in Hot Springs, Arkansas one time down there on Main Street and we was in this building and, uh, you know, Hot Springs has it's got a lot of street people, a lot of drunks and alcoholics and so forth. And I'm preaching and this, this guy staggered in the room and he just come through there like this, you know, and, and, he, and he laid down on two chairs up near the front, just laid down, passed out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm preaching along there and uh, uh, I said something and, he, he, and he, he just woke up and responded to it. In other words, I, I, was, I was actually teaching on how the life of faith is like trying to go upstream in a canoe, going against the grain. And I said, what do you need to do if you're in a canoe going against the stream? He woke up and said, get a paddle, brother. You know? <laughs> and then he went, he passed out again. Everybody, everybody, it just broke the place up, you know. But then he woke up and he got, his eyes got about this big. And I thought, what in the world's going on with him? And he come up and he said, I saw somebody standing behind you. I said, who? He said, I don't know, but he was big. He said, and he'd lean over and whisper something in your ear and you just come undone. I said, that was my angel. A drunk saw my angel. Why aren't the rest of you seeing my angel? Every one of us have a guardian angel. Thank God for that. I'd have been dead a long time ago if it hadn't been for that guardian angel. I know many times he saved my life when I was a young boy. Well, there's nowhere in the Bible says when you become an adult, you lose him. He's still with me. He's still with you. Amen. Hallelujah. How many angels do you suppose are in here right now? Because the Bible says they hearken unto God's word. Well, I'm preaching God's word. They're listening. They're listening. Wouldn't it be something we could reach out and touch them? Well, we may not be able to do that, but that doesn't mean they're not here. Amen. How many of you know of situations in your life where it had to be your guardian angel that protected you or you wouldn't even be here today? Amen. So just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Can you say amen? amen? 
let's look at an example. Second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. Once again, I'm going to keep repeating this. We're talking about the basic principles of operating in the God kind of faith. Because Jesus said that's what we need. Have it. Second Kings chapter six. And this is the story of Elijah. And uh, Elijah is able to hear and see what this evil king is plotting. And this king thinks it's somebody in his own camp that is betraying him. Because what Elijah saw was exactly what was happening. And so he, this king wants somebody to find out who's the traitor here. Well, nevertheless, they sent chariots and horses and so forth. And, and they, they had told the king that it's, it's the prophet. He knows what's going on even in your bed chambers. So they sent after him and they sent chariots and they sent horses and so forth. And then it says in verse 14, therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host and they came by night and compassed the city about. They've circled the city. Okay. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. <laughs> Don't you know that servant thought, there he goes again. <laughs> it's something them birds are bringing him that he's eating. He gets a little nutty every once in a while. How could there possibly be more of us than there are them? And then he counts. Elijah and me, two. And then he looks out there and sees the whole city compassed about with horses and chariots. But then the prophet says, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. That's my prayer for all of you in here this morning. Lord, open their eyes that they might see that there's more going on in the spirit realm than in the natural realm. And what's going on in the spirit realm is about to manifest in the natural realm. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank God in advance for it. Praise God. And the Lord opened his eyes, the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. Now notice, they were there all the time. But this young man couldn't see it. Something was happening in the spirit realm and he couldn't see it. Something's happening in the spirit realm right now. While I'm standing behind this podium and speaking to you, something is happening in the spirit realm. 
even though we can't see it. But trust me, it's happening. God will never allow the devil to get the upper hand. The Bible even says, when sin abounds, grace does much more. Hallelujah. In other words, God is not going to allow the devil to have the final say in this. Can you say amen? is about to pour out his goodness on his people as never before. Today's special offer, the Expect God's Goodness Package, contains Jerry Savelle's brand new three-part CD series, Expecting the Goodness of God in Your Life, his inspiring book, Expect the Extraordinary, and his revealing book, Experiencing More of God's Presence and Power. In this package, Jerry teaches how you can walk in favor with God, how to receive God's goodness, how to see beyond your circumstances, and God's plan for abundance. Develop a faith that isn't moved by what you see, what you hear, or what you feel. Become completely convinced that God's goodness is on the way. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Expect God's Goodness special package. God is good and is the source of good. Order now to discover the life that God desires for you, expecting His goodness. All right, praise the Lord. Did you enjoy the message today? I trust that you did. And let me just encourage you to do this. Immediately after you watch this broadcast, spend the rest of the day thanking God for His goodness. You know, Psalm 107, there are four verses in that one psalm that says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. You know, I think one of the reasons why so many of God's people miss out on more and more manifestations of the goodness of God in their life, they're not grateful enough for what God's already done. Keep praising God for what he's done and also by faith, praise God for what you're expecting him to do. God is good and he is the source of good. Don't ever forget that. Say it with me. My God is the good God and he's the source of good. Amen. Before we leave there, let me share with you our special resource package today. Three CDs on expecting the goodness of God, expecting the goodness of God in your life. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 62 that my expectations come from him. You know, when you're operating in real Bible faith, you are expecting God to do something. And I want to challenge you today, just by listening to these series of messages, expecting the goodness of God in your life, that it causes your expectation to go to another level. You know, I've learned over the years that everything I expect, God does for me. Amen. I line up with the Word of God, what God's Word says, and then I expect that to come to pass, and God always honors it. So once again, three CDs on expecting the goodness of God in your life, Along with it comes my book, Expect the Extraordinary. 
God will make it happen in extraordinary ways. And then finally, experiencing more of God's presence and power. That's all available today. Go online, jerrysavelle.org, or look on the screen right now for all the ordering information. And don't forget, join me again next week as we continue this study on expecting the goodness of God. I'll see you then. 